Welcome to the Eastside Church Podcast. We're a community-driven church based in Charlotte, North Carolina, and invite you to join us on Sundays at 9 or 11 a.m. For more information, visit our website, eastsidechurch.co. I'm already up. (laughs) I'm ready. She is ready. I'm ready. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, Don and Christine Potter. Let's give them a big Eastside welcome. Wow. Um, yes. So he is worthy. As I kept feeling, his he was so he's so worthy, and I've not really had an encounter like I had this morning, where I actually we actually he came in, and I've, I just saw his glo- uh, uh, something of his glory. All sorts of crowns and jewels came w- rushing into our presence. His incredible kingship came in to our presence. I've actually never seen anything quite like that. And I felt like I wanted, um, actually, bef- even before we started, the wor- when the worship started, I felt like he gave me a pointer and direction, uh, I guess a little heads up of w- that he was coming in in a, in a deeper way for us to acknowledge his worth. And, and uh, worship and singing is great, but I wanted to give us some other words for it. I'm going to give us a dedication that we can dedicate ourselves to that presence of worth that just came in. So if you want to agree with me in your hearts, please, spirits, please. But Father, we'd like to offer ourselves and this day of life that you have freely, so freely given to us back to you. We want to ask you to receive each day's life expression as offerings of thanksgiving, praise, and honor to you. Lord, we ask you to lead us, guide us, direct us, and protect us as we walk out each day. Will you quicken our eyes to see and our ears to hear what your spirit is showing and saying to us? Will you, we want to offer you our spirits, our souls, and our bodies as places of habitation. Will you please cleanse us and rearrange any part of our being that does not align with your purposes or your desires? Will you take full charge of our thoughts, our words, our deeds in the intents of our heart? And will you empower them to become more like yours? As we open our spirits to you, Holy Spirit, will you fill us afresh with your love and your joy and your peace, your kindness, patience, and goodness, your faithfulness, your gentleness, and your self-control? Will you fill us and move through us with your words of wisdom, your words of knowledge and discernment of spirits, with your faith, your healings and your miracles, your tongues, interpretation of tongues and prophecy? We ask you to supply us with the great grace that we need to walk out a life that honors the Father. We believe that as we daily surrender to your life that indwells us, you will move through us to accomplish your purpose as you continue to transform us into all you have designed us to be. Please forgive us as we confess and repent for the sin, rebellion, and iniquity of our family lines and ourselves as the Holy Spirit continues to reveal these to us. We receive the blood of Jesus Christ to cleanse us from all the defilements that we've received in our spirits, souls, or bodies. And Father, we receive your forgiveness. And we forgive ourselves and our ancestors 
as well as anyone who sinned against us or our family line. And we release to the cross all offenses and all resentment, as well as any residual bitterness or grudges that we may have inherited or taken upon ourselves and are still carrying. Lord, will you please renew our minds and cleanse and reformat our brains and any other organs or systems of our bodies that have been or are still being affected by these sins, rebellions, or iniquities. Lord, we thank you that your mercy is new and fresh every morning, and we confess that we desire it and we need it. So, Lord, we shake off the residue and the entanglement of all of our yesterdays, and we ask you for your help to release us from the stress and the strain of trying to plan our own tomorrows. And we now gladly receive your plan for today and each day and your power to walk in it. Amen. Amen.
interesting. I got started late in life knowing Jesus, and <clears throat> late meaning 35 years old. Now that's early in life. <laughs> that's back when I was a child. But the um, something about songs um, always, they were all new to me. That was a brand new song to me. So I didn't have history with which to back up what I thought was cool, nor did I have any nostalgia to trigger because it wasn't there. Does that make sense? So it was just a new song. So it allowed me to hear things for their anointing sake, not their their history. It wasn't their tradition that triggered my heart. It was the anointing or the presence of God that was incredibly faithful to come when something like this is sung. So what happens to us, in which we haven't maybe known before, is the anointing doesn't isn't captured by the song. It's the one whose life it cost to write it. He's ministering to the person that it cost this much. Can you imagine the person who wrote this? What was going on in their lives? You can, you can count on it. It wasn't because life was going perfect. You can put that in the bank. It wasn't the perfect of life that made him write this. It was probably anything but that. It made him just say, I am going to tell my God exactly what I know he is and that is faith. It's good. Did you think? All those many years ago when I was young, I noticed that um, I used to sing in the church. I wrote songs and stuff like that, and I played them in the church. And, and because it was not churchy, <laughs> it was a long time ago, uh, it really upset a lot of people. Anybody know what I'm talking about? How much change do you think has taken place in the last 35 years? A little bit of change, don't you think? Um, do you think it's for the better? Anybody? I think probably it is. Even though that song was long, long ago written, it was still not written except for the anointing that it called in and of itself of the person who wrote it. And we sang it and went, we could probably feel it and we could probably sense something. But our, did we walk in the freedom to sing what was on our hearts? Which David did. David sang what was in his heart. Some 49 times in the Psalms, he was complaining. Where are you, God? I've been crying all night on the couch. You must have abandoned me. I don't know what the heck I'm doing next. But I will yet praise your name. I will yet shout your name. I will lift my voice again. And I will hear you and I will see you. And I'll know your promise is true. And nothing can change what I feel about you, God. You God's even slightly upset about our complaints. He's just worried that you leave it there. And David never did. That was the good news. He could complain all he liked, but he never left it there. He always finished it. I do have a hope in my heart. And that's the one thing Satan cannot or anything that has to do with darkness can steal from you is the hope that's in your heart. You can slap me around, but you can't steal this hope that's in my heart, the hope of glory, Christ in me the hope of glory. Ah, glory, glory, glory. What, are you? what do you think glory really looks like? A beaten person victorious, that's glory. Let's see. Uh, when God begins to show you his actual presence, 
Anybody know what I mean? So I'm bumbling away in the church, and I'm trying to be cool. And they were a church that had um, a, a, a real bent towards Israel. So I'm, I'm constantly writing something that they like, hoping that they'll hear me and see he's one of us. Oh, God, help me, God, help me. I don't know how to write what's in my heart. So, you're not hard to feel, that's the problem. <laughs> you are not hard to feel for someone who listens and feels. But what's really got to happen is we have to feel God for this hour. And so the people who escape all of that and manage to make it through. So I went through all my changes and I, I made them happy. They were happy for a time because uh, I did what they liked. Anybody? No? And then one day, came in. You know, I started, what you playing there, buddy? Huh? I'm not sure yet. <laughs> it might look like warfare when it's all over. What war are you talking about? And so all of us had their moments in time. And so the first time I played a shuffle in the church, it was an out-and-out -out sin. Um, that's a shuffle. Anybody find that a groove? I do too. <laughs> but you cannot do the two-step to this. <laughs> so many were upset. We can't, we can't uh, do what we do to that. Maybe God wants you to do something different. Maybe God wants you to change your mind. Maybe God wants an expression he's never seen in your life. Maybe God's looking for a way to break through this crust. Try to make a life out of what you do, and maybe he must shout in your ear until you can't stand up. Call on your life until you have new love. Call on your sister and your brother to be free and unbound in the spirit of Jesus. Be Shouts, stop shouting mine since the start. How do you think they read the names in the Lamb's Book of Life? I'd like to call John Potter now. Or do you think someone's going, God, Potter, get up here? <laughs> That's what I think it's about right there. It's your time. Come up here and get near the king. Come near the Father. He wants to hug on your face for a while. <laughs> that's what the master of the universe, that's who is great in faithfulness. The one who will not just whisper your name, but the one who will shout it at the top of his lungs until the earth shakes because his children are being called by name. tussle over that. I want that to come true. I want that not to be words. I want that to be reality. They overcame by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. 
answer, yes. Why is it a sin to show off what God gave you? Why is that a sin? So we went through lots of changes, and we were changing, and they were changing, and they were okay with it. And finally, after 12 years of doing that, faithfully every Sunday, God said, go home. Yes, Lord, I can't do that because I think they need me. Anybody had that happen to you? Or you supply needs. You meet needs, anybody? Worst, that's the worst addiction on the planet is uh, I'm providing a need. People need me because I need to be needed by people. Anyone have that disease? It's a pretty strong one, uh, and it will create all kinds of weird stuff. Talk, talk about bipolar. You'll go really weird. You'll go tripolar and all kinds of polar if you're not careful uh, because it is a dancing session to meet someone else's need when it belongs to Jesus alone to, to do that. That's the problem is that I'm just in the way of real power doing that job, and the problem with getting in front of real power is you could get electrocuted uh, in the midst of it. You see what I'm saying. <clears throat> so he said, I want you to go home, and I, and, and I want you to face the wall until you sense my presence. Anybody ever have God do that to you? If you don't, it's, a good, it's actually a good thing. It's not a negative thing. It's a really positive. It's lonely, but it is positive. Uh, and, of course, I started out with, okay, God, what do you want to hear? I heard your son was Jewish, so maybe he'd like this. And he said, keep quiet, I don't want your crowd-pleasing stuff. Until I hear your heart, I will not listen to the sounds you make. You want to lift your voice and worship to me. Spirit and truth are all I will hear. So now I don't really know the truth. That's the problem. Would love to worship God in spirit and truth as long as I knew what the truth is. Right? Because it's very difficult for us to admit who we actually are to the living God. Am I talking to the right crowd on that stuff? Um, because I think everything that's bad about me, I'm ashamed of. Is anyone else? I'm very ashamed of how I think a lot of times, and I'm very ashamed about a lot of things I say. You know, after I finish saying it, I'd give anything if I could grab those words and jam them back into my mouth. <laughs> but they are already out in space, you know, and they're, well, oh, God, oh, my God, every second, and I just wish I wasn't doing this is gone anyone have that happen to you? So in our lives, it's like, oh, man, how can I fix this? And the Lord is just saying, you are, you're going in the wrong direction. You do not understand what relationship is. And he asked me, what, do you, what is a friend to you? And I thought for a while, I said, I think it's somebody I can have my worst day in front of and it is not on my permanent record. Am I correct about that? Do you have friends in your life that they can just puke up their worst mess 
And you're like, okay, man, I know that isn't truly you. But I know you're mad about today or something has happened that fired your rockets. And, but this isn't truly you. Am I correct about that? That's the king of the universe in your life. You can be doing a, all the worst things imaginable and he's going, that is not you. And I know it's not. And so that's what, that's what the, the strain, and, I, and somebody wrote this, and I can't remember who it was, somebody really smart, but there is a strain between here and heaven. And the strain is very, very important because it's pulling on us to his, to his presence. And we got our brakes on, our little sheepy heels are dug in, you know, and there's little four tracks in the dirt as we slide along being drawn to the master of the universe. We want it more than we want to live, but I just don't want to be exposed for the scuzzball that I often can be. Correct? So I put on a great act a couple of hours on Sunday, and everyone thinks whatever they think, and I'm trying to find my way through that. And now he said, I want you to face the wall until you understand that reality. Well, you know, when you can't do anything that's going to please him, then the only thing they can do is to get real with him. Do you see what I mean? And so what is the real? Well, my real is so shameful. There's no way I'm going to expose myself to God like that. And he's saying, not until I see that am I going to listen to what you're doing. You don't want to hear that mess. I don't want to hear anything but that mess. Why is that a good idea? Anybody? Believe it or not, it's one of the meanings of the word praise. Hebrew, yada, y-a-d-a-h. It means to confess my sin before God. And the meaning of the word is praise. Isn't that stupid? So I'm praising God to say how horrible I'm acting and feeling? Does that, does that make any sense to anybody? Does anybody ever think like that? I'm, I'm like, whoa. So we avoid church. We avoid stuff because I don't want to be convicted. Correct? You don't have to go to church to be convicted. Trust me. God can find you outside of the church. <laughs> he often looks more fervently outside than he does inside, if you will. And so he'll find you if it's up, you know, if it's your day for conviction, guess what? He'll find you and he's drop his Holy Spirit on your forehead and then you're changed and you can like it or not. Um, what are we going to do with the conviction that's coming? Anyone have a plan? Do you know what revival looks like? It's not a, it's not a handsome, it's not a beautiful thing. We so love you, God, as I puke all my sins. And everything about us is just a wreck on the floor. We are a wreck. It's blubbering. It's long, snotty stuff. And that's what revival looks like. And that's what, there's Charles Finney, one of my favorites, in one of his books, he said, this was a good revival. I saw a Baptist pastor, a Methodist pastor, and a Presbyterian pastor all screaming in tongues, laying on their face in the dirt, just crying out to God to forgive them. This is good revival today. <laughs> How is that good? You see what I'm saying? How is that good? And yet here we sit waiting for that moment. 
to rage through here like a fire and put us where? Right on our face. Why? I'm not sure why, but it isn't going to stop, and it ain't pretty. Does that make amazing sense to you? Did to me. Anyway, I spent time at the wall, and I wanted a lot of things, and I wanted to do stuff for God, and I hoped that he, you know, would like it. And I spent a year doing that. Uh, after six months, we had some fascinating weird things were happening, like dancing on the wall. There was dancing there. Okay, the wall's dancing. That's good. Thank you. I see stuff. I'm losing it. And, uh, you know, many times I was lost. And how many would think that God saved you from being lost so that he could really get you lost? <laughs> from the time that you were lost and you couldn't find God, and then you find God, and he says, now you are really lost, but you're lost in my love, and you're lost in that power of the presence. You know what I mean? So after all of these things, I'm like, oh, God, I don't know what to do next. And he just said, do what I tell you, and we'll get along fine. There's been a jailbreak. I'm fine.
So things develop right along as life goes, and as you probably could imagine, that um, facing the wall for a while, I got really blessed, and I got really... Has anybody heard this story? I've probably told you all this story before, have I? No? Hmm. Read the book. <laughs> the, uh, the experience itself is... is I'm, I'm not going to say everybody should do it, but I would... I really got to tell you, I think it was very important for anyone who would be involved with worship in a deeper way to really know two things. Know when the presence is present and know it clearly and don't settle for anything except for that. And the second thing is 
don't need the reward of the faces of men. Only need the reward of your God, who is very happy to smile at you while you're trying to figure out. He's not going to flourish compliment. I've never heard God say, I can't believe how you play. He believes it very well. He doesn't have to. But I can feel his pleasure. And that's the part that I was seeking, and that's what I wanted in my life. And being in the music business is another word for being in the recognition business. I'd like to be recognized by someone. And what winds up happening to us is that we don't wind up getting the recognition we want, so we fight for it. And then we gain a certain amount of recognition, and then we fight to keep it. That's even harder uh, because all you wanted to do is be recognized. So here's a little secret to that. <clears throat> when Jesus went into the wilderness, anyone feel like you're in the wilderness at this point in your life? Anyone? Good. You're all saved and safe. Um, the, uh, in the wilderness, th th those are lessons for us because the f we think they're for Jesus. They were really, they're really for us. The first lesson is who's your provision? Uh, the second lesson is Satan led him to the pinnacle of the church. Isn't that interesting? The devil takes you to the top of the church. The Holy Spirit takes you to the wilderness. <laughs> Yikes. What is this all about? You see what I'm saying. Um, and then the third one, you know, the enemy goes around and says, I'd like to teach you a lesson about how to rule the world. You can do it if you recognize me. He uses the word worship. We use the word worship. But in the real translation, the word is recognize me. In other words, count me as special. Isn't that interesting? So right at the heart of the very thing we strive for the most in this life is to be recognized. Right at the very heart of it is a Satan-led concept. Just like climbing to the pinnacle of the church is led by the enemy and not by God. Isn't that funny? Remember the scripture about God promoting who he would promote and not promoting who he would not promote? That means if you get to the top, that had better be God-led. Understanding that? How's that feel? I used to hate that one. <laughs> I used to think, can I bypass that one, God? Can I have a different way? So one time I, I began to complain. Anyone? Um, <clears throat> um this is hard to follow you, Jesus. I, I know I asked this question a lot. Jesus found you found him to be harder to follow than you thought. Anyone found that? Um, I often say I think he's crazy because he'll go right into the worst places on the planet and ask you to go with him. <laughs> Are you crazy? But there he is. He's in those horrible, horrible places, and he said he would do that. So this is not a big surprise. But So I used to go through my changes, and I would, Finally, one day, I got into this thing with the Lord because I, you know, I'll, I'll try to tell you about this. I was talking to the first guys about it just today about the connection between heaven and uh, earth, <laughs> heaven and earth, not heaven and hell. Um, that can't be the connection can't be really broken, but it can be misunderstood or mistranslated. And so that 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 connection between the two places is really quite wonderful. I'd like to see it and feel it more more regularly if I could. So how he kind of turned me onto this is I used to complain, not all the time, but close, uh, about I don't think it's fair, Lord. How many know that God is not 
fair, so we get over that one. I don't think it's fair that you get to sit in that nice, wonderful place and shout off these orders that we can't follow. Has anybody ever thought, felt like that? Um, you know, there's rules in the Old Testament, so on and so forth. But, and so, when Paul said, all scripture is God-breathed and worthy of correction, you can use it for reproof, you can use it for teaching, you can use it for edifying, it's a whole bunch of things. Except the New Testament wasn't written when he said that. He was referring to the law, the Old Testament law. That's what he was talking about. So finally, we get all the way to, and we've made a law out of the New Testament, and in fact, it is not a law. That hurt your feelings? But we beat each other to death over a law that doesn't, is not a law. That hurt your feelings, anybody? It hurt mine when I started to think, I've been hammering people for what I'm reading in the New Testament. Paul gave instructions to who? To the Corinthians. Yes, the Corinthians. Why? Because they had a lot of witches in that land, and there was a lot of weirdness going on there. And so he said, no women teach in the church. End of sentence. Why? Because there's a bunch of witches in your church, idiot. Wake up. That's a paraphrase. There. <laughs> Only slightly, but. <laughs> but why didn't he say that to the Colossians? Why didn't he say it to the Romans? Why did he leave out the Thessalonians. Why did he leave out everybody else? Because he was specifically speaking to a people. Understand? So here's, here's our new, here's the test. Here it is. We live in a little small town north of here. Uh, it's a, the town is Wilkesboro. It's just, it's just a small place. It's pretty quiet. You cannot get in a traffic jam unless you get a flat tire and get sideways of the road. That's about it. Um, and so I praise the name of Jesus every day that I am not in a traffic jam. How about you guys? Um, so, but what we're going to do is we're going to gather together and all of us are going to write a manual to the children of Wilkesboro, 10 years and younger. And they have to be able to read it. So the language can't be too nuts. And they also had to be instructions on what, how they can live in this little small town and so on and so forth. Can we write that manual? Well, I think we probably could. We'll get to know the town a little bit. We'll know, know where its shortcomings are. We know where to, you know, to be careful. Don't go here. Don't do there. That kind of stuff. But you need to also include the children of downtown New York City. Do you think the manual would look a little different for the children in New York City than the children in Wilkesboro. Anyone? So when Paul began to write, he wrote to the cities and the issues that the cities had. You understand that? If you've ever been in New York State, I used to live in New York State, and one of the things is the whole state is complaining high level about the circumstances that they're forced into based on New York City. Insurance prices are unbelievable in the rest of the state because New York City has so many accidents. So the huge city is wagging the tail of the whole state. You understand that? So can you see what I'm trying to get at here? So when Paul wrote different places and different things in Scripture, he meant that for the place that it was written. Meanwhile, they weren't laws, or he would have said so. 
Are you okay? This is not undermining the New Testament. This is an amazing, stunning book. Well worth studying every word in it and reading it until you understand it. And if what he's saying applies to your little pea brain, I would be doing it then. You see what I'm saying? But to lash out at others making a rule of something that was not of law or a rule. You understand what I'm talking about? That's the spirit of religion. Let me beat you over the head for doing something I'm not really doing, but <laughs> you need to do it, I'll tell you right now. You, you understand me. So our only rules as Gentiles is stop fornicating. I haven't gotten that one yet. Um, love one another, yeah, okay. Don't got that one yet either. That's good. That's pretty good. And don't eat food sacrificed to idols. I don't even know what that means. So <laughs> do you see what I'm saying? So our rules are small. We have small rules. We have simple things. And so I got to complaining to God in my usual style. And I finally said, you know, I need to talk with you. You know, I need to find out what's going on. Anybody ask God like that? Anybody want to talk to God like that? I like him. He likes to talk. But at some point, he'll be firm. At some point, he'll say, the answer to the question is, I'm God. Okay, that answers the question. And if it doesn't answer the question for you, you're in trouble. If that does not answer your question, ultimately. Am I hearing any? Because we can bicker like that with the best of them. So I wrote this. Just so you can hear bickering. I live here. And you live there. My world is small. Yours is
Change is something difficult. Anyone? Uh, you know, once I got a habit pattern going, especially one that makes me look holy, uh, I'm not going to want to change that had a habit pattern anytime soon. So I want to hold on to that. And yet, I still have a God that's looking for me to worship him in spirit and in truth. It's still in our lives. So my truth has to come out, whether I want it or not. And so the first time I started letting truth out, especially in the church, it was offensive because we don't do that around here. And so the problem with all of that is, is that is closing the door to that movement towards revival. Um, if that's too uncomfortable, then there won't be any real freedom of revival in the church because it's the way God operates. Making sense? How long does this go? I don't know until I'm finished. <laughs> so, said all of these things to say, can you stand to prepare your heart for the coming of the living God by being real enough with him to say the things you wish you didn't have to? 
Mm. If a people can find their way to doing this, the gate opens, swings wide to the power of the redeeming power, actually. It's really what actual reformation is, which is what he's doing. In truth, he's not actually starting a revival. He's reforming us so that our hearts are his heart for what's really coming. Sense? And I always say, oh, God, I want your heart. And he's saying, are you sure you want that? You want to spend the night weeping at the top of your lungs? Do you want to dance like a wild man across the mountains? When joy, when I cannot contain my own joy? Why would God be happy? Because it's hard to make a guy like that unhappy. He knows the story. He knows the end. He knows the answer. He has the thingy. He does the thingy. <laughs> um, anyway, I, I, I don't know. I feel like I need to, um, whatever I don't know, I think I need to do. Um, I live in a pretty funny world at this point. I was talking about the worship stuff and how it's changed over all these years, and I had a reason for it, but I'm not positive I know what that is. Um, but the Lord began the process through taking stuff away to bring stuff to you. Now, I know in our lives, and this is a, um, maybe it's a, a system of something that we haven't yet seen or we, that we really don't know about yet. Um, but in our societies, in how we operate and how we do things, we base it on what I, I give to get, you know what I mean? We base it on that concept. Uh, and most of our giving to get doesn't get us a heck of a lot. Anybody? Until what everything I have is, I would use the word sacrifice, but that's not correct because we see sacrifices, cutting something up and burning it or giving it away or throwing it away. The word sacrifice is the same word as offering, and it means to draw near. That's its meaning. So we live an hour and a half away from here. There, for us to have a relationship, to draw near, there has to be a sacrifice. And the sacrifice is an hour and a half drive. Uh, and it's fine right now, it's not a problem. When gas becomes $95 a gallon, this would be a little bit more of a sacrifice. You get what I'm saying? And so what happens is as time goes on, friendships and the desire to be together and the desire to draw near cost more and more. Are you understanding that? But we're hoping somewhere along the way the desire outweighs the cost. And that's what's happening to us now. God is raising in us the desire to, to not to ignore, if you will, the cost of getting closer to him. To pull into that next season of, of God, you and me. I want to be close to you. I need you. He's okay writing, hey, man, I live up here. I live down here. You live up there. You got all the privileges. I'm dirtbag. He's okay with that. Yep. How you like it? Well, I hate it. It's not fair. Good. Just kidding. You're getting along. You're finally getting somewhere. <laughs> it wasn't meant to be fair. It was meant to grow you up. God is, and this is a funny word, God is not trying to make you happy in this life. He's trying to make you holy in this life. It has nothing to do with making you happy. Uh, and this is a funny word, and I, I say it all the time, so... Pardon me if, I, if I'm hearing me repeat it, but Jesus said, I'm the light of the world. Anybody heard that before? 
The world means cosmos. That means he's the light of the universe, not just this world. He's the light of the universe. But that word is translated when you're looking at me. Am I making sense? And anyone who's looking at me comes out of darkness. The word darkness means unhappiness and ruin. Isn't that fun? So anyone who's looking at me comes out of ruin and unhappiness. But there is no opposite word for unhappiness in Scripture any more than there's an opposite word for sin. We have no opposite. Sin and sinless. The word sinless does not exist in Scripture. Did you, did you know that? You guys aware of that? Hmm. You knew that. I told you something. I thought I told you something you didn't know. Um, sin means miss the mark. We say that a lot. But also, including in the, in the definition of sin is to be without a share. Anyone ever felt you were on the outside looking in? Being without a share. You weren't a part of the what? The cool gang. Or you weren't a part of something. How many ever felt that in your life? I mean, right, that's, a, that's this far away from jealousy. Those two little honeys are close together. Uh, and so what happens to us is that when I feel like I don't belong somewhere, if I'm making any sense, this would take 17 hours for me to explain this really well, but um, what happens in our lives, and this is what we're facing here now, is oftentimes something in our youth or our young lives uh, creates a feeling of not being included or having a share or being a part of something somewhere in our young lives until we reach this resentment where well, screw the whole thing in our attitude and I don't care whatever happens and then we throw it in the wind. We throw that one tiny, tiny concept is where do you hear you are a part of something and you believe it? Am I making sense? And so we have sin, which really, for the most part, means I don't have a share and I have now missed the mark of my life because I felt like I didn't belong somewhere. Right? Jesus comes along, I paid for you, I bought you. You belong to me. There's your belong. How come I belong to you? I paid for you, that's why. I paid a high price for you, too. Not only did he pay a high price, God paid a high price to give his son to pay the high price for us. we got two who have an incredible high price paid, and the third is here guiding us to that understanding. Making sense? And so now we have this amazing thing called the salvation of the man. That Jesus gives the message, he delivers this message, and now we're trying to figure out how to belong. Am I making sense? And in the sense of that, I still feel kind of angst about where I fit in where I belong. Ready, making sense? And so we got God who says, you know, I made the Sabbath for you. I didn't make you for the Sabbath. What the heck does that mean? That means I made this experience to fit you, not you fit it. You're not intended to fit into this. So stop shape-shifting and think that makes it work for you. Understand what I mean by that? Stop trying to fit this. It wasn't, you're not made for it. I made this to fit you. But I don't know who I am. Hang around long enough and you'll accidentally discover who that is. 
You see the point. That's the concept of the gathering. So that you can eventually, that sounds like fun. <laughs> so eventually, the gathering becomes an identity mark. You see what I'm saying? I'm flying through life. Have you ever heard the scripture, Jesus, he comes along and he said, you know, the wind comes from the east or the west, and it comes, nobody knows where it comes from, and nobody knows where it's going, and so it is with those who are born of the Spirit. Do you remember that scripture? I like that. I thought it was great. I've studied some of that. I got into looking at it, and I'll cut to the chase. It simply says, what he's really saying is, he's saying the Spirit has an intent for moving you. That's what that means. He's not just arbitrarily flipping through space. And I'm free in the Spirit, so I'm, I don't know what I'm doing or where I'm going. The truth is that's not true at all. The Holy Spirit has an absolute intent for what he's doing in your life. And one of the things you'll discover is God is a God of intent. I love the Bible. I love every word I've ever read in it. I would read it 10 more thousand times. But he said, I didn't give you this book. I meant to write it on your heart. I meant this to be in your spirit, not in your mind. That's a little slapper, isn't it? Um, and I, again, I am the guy, I will be reading it. And I will be reading it until I look at Jesus, then I'll read him. And I'll just keep right on reading that, you know, where are we now? I'm left shoulder at the moment. And uh, you know, because it is, he's readable. That's the good news. And you can dig and go deeper and deeper and deeper in the power of that God by simply reading his son. Suggestion. Get a red pencil or pen and write every red word you have in your Bibles that have red words. Just write them down. Don't write any of the black words. Just write red words. And then say them together. You'd be surprised how interesting they are without all the little conversation. Do you want me to shut up? Oh, you want to talk? Okay, sorry. Usually this sign is, shut up, you're talking too much. You know, I know that sign. Without that guide, there's no way <laughs> I would make it in life. That's when I start playing. Sorry, did you want to say? Sure. Um, husband-wife conversation so hard, you know, to, I don't want to interrupt Don, but then I get something really good and then I want to say it and then I put it at the end and it doesn't fit anymore. <laughs> so I'm going to try to fit it. Um, we're, oh, it's such a day of transfer, you know, we're in an entirely new day. Uh, Y'all must feel it. We're, this is a new day. We are in a place where we've never been before, more than the usual place that we've never been before. And um, so this is a time of transfer, and I felt I needed to say this to you. The Lord showed me a while back this thing he calls the God banking system. And he has an entire banking system. And I thought it was really cute because he does these word plays, and he said, um, you know, who are you banking on? All right. Where's your trust? You know, because there's savings and loans and trusts. And so are you, when you're doing self-saving, it means that you have not transferred all of your energies and your value, values and your resources. You haven't transferred them out of your self-account into the God account. And so we're talking today a lot about 
surrender and total surrender. But he was talking about, um, you know, I'm seeing that when uh, what we've known as revival, the closest thing we know of it really at its beginning was the first century church. And we know a lot that when the power of God, the presence was so strong um, that they had everything in common. They had this common whatever. And um, what the Lord was saying is what they had in common was an absolute transfer of trust into me. And when they put everything, all their life, everything into me, uh, they no longer had to, quote unquote, own it. Uh, they let go of ownership of themselves and, the, and everything else that they had. And they transferred it into me. So he's talking about, um, he said, the Father wants to take us to a place. And he called it, I don't know about money or stuff, but uh, mutual funds. So this was, there was a mutual place uh, that he wanted to transfer us into this place. Uh, it was savings and loans and trust companies. And it's, it's sort of like, um, we've, like Don was saying earlier, we're stepping out of the place of, of our trust being in ourselves or other people or systems. We're stepping out of self-saving and trying to save uh, uh, other people and stuff. And we're putting all of that into him. And when we do that, what happens is that's where it, it, we enter into increase. Okay, We're not going to get the increase until we let it go and, let, and put it into God. And once we put it into him is when it's going to start to gain interest. It's going to gain his interest. And it's going to be a place where he, of transfer where he begins to give us his value, his values, for what we, the value, lim the limitations of the v of value as we have understood it. Um, he said he wants us to give him all because this is an exchange. It's like the stock exchange. So when you give him all and invest uh, your all in him by letting go of it, then that's where he can give you all of him. There's so much more of God that we haven't been able to receive because we've been trapped in an old, under the old law system, which is it was about performance, created righteousness, and my right to have anything. But when we came into the system of Christ and we came into the grace of Christ through the surrender, there's a transfer. We got his righteousness, so my performance isn't going to make me righteous. But through my letting go of that need to perform, to get, then I can actually begin to draw on his all. Okay. He told me once there's this place he, call, he calls the superabundance place. And I believe that, honestly believe that with the president that we have, who has a gift and an anointing to, to create wealth, that there is a, a place in the spirit realm now where the Lord can begin through our faith in him as we begin to operate in the God banking system and the God wealth system, that this is a, there's a particular opening now for us to begin to draw through our faith, not that we um, try to get something from God, but as we give to God, we make a place to receive from God. See, we can't get from God because we haven't get given him enough to make space to receive what he wants to give us. And so his, woo, his intention is that, that yeah, that he, the rest of it wasn't good. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Woo, 
so he uh, he really was. <laughs> Sorry. Uh-oh. Then we, you see, I didn't know if we'd go there. But, you know, I love word plays, and so does the Lord. He's, Lord is very playful. Um, he's he's a lot happier than we are, and, and he's playful. Uh, he expresses his happiness uh, and his joy through being playful. And he loves to play. He, he is the word, and he loves to play games with words. And so one of the uh, things he said to me about funds, we think about money, I suppose. He thinks about fun, E-D, fund. Um, there's a lot, he's a, a part of our inheritance and what he wants to give us right now that comes, for, it, it, it's got to help us in the living from above is the fuel. We See, we don't have any fuel. I don't know about you. I'm, I'm tired a lot because the performance will make you exhausted. You have to use all of your virtue and all of your energy to keep going at something that God doesn't really have an interest in doing. So you do it. <laughs> and the more you do it, the more tireder you get. That's probably just me. But um, therefore, when I get tired, I get crabby. And I know you're not crabby either. Hold on. I have to get over the fact that you are crabby. fuel is joy, the supernatural uh, fuel that we live, that we're supposed to live and move and have our being in, that's ours and it's our inheritance, is the joy of the Lord. And he's saying, uh, as we get this exchange of our thinking systems, as we begin to put everything into him to receive out everything that's in him, he's going to give us a strength through grace, and that strength through grace is joy. And this joy is like a, a turbo fuel. Um, this is the power of God to uplift us and allow him to outlive his unique identity expression through us. So the joy of the Lord is not only is our strength to be who he intended us to be. Okay? So don't be afraid to give your all because the more you give and the more you let go the more power for the joy of the Lord is going to fill your created being okay yeah do you feel it's lifting it's right there for you it just comes from letting down it up and you get to take the place and be aware of the place you already have which is that place where you're seated in heavenly places and you know all that it is that you needed to know the spirit of wisdom the spirit of knowledge the spirit of understanding the spirit of counsel and might the fullness of the eternal spirit God and the spirit of the fear of the Lord saturating your spirit and your soul and your body and releasing you now 
it's already yours. I always watch Christine put people to sleep when she talks, and so I thought I'd play a little go-to-sleep music while you were... spiritual alignment you are sound sleep is good it's a great rest so much is going on at the same time so we just take it easy on you for a moment <laughs> Jesus going through um, all the cities and villages teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom every kind of disease and every kind of sickness. Every. Oh, I like that word, every, don't you? Seeing the people, he felt compassion. And, uh, and because they were distressed, means harassed, they were dispirited, which means cast down beside themselves. They were like sheep without a shepherd. Isn't that an interesting word? They were cast down. You know what a cast down sheep is? Anyone have sheep? When sheep get laying down the wrong way, their intestines get turned around. Intestines means intimacy, inmost parts. That's scriptural. So they get twisted around and their intimacy is all messed up. The only way they can get straightened out is the shepherd has to come by, pick them up and hold them between his legs and just hold them upright, sometimes upwards of a couple of hours so that their intestines go back right. So, they're, so Jesus is saying these are like sheep who've been cast down. Their intimacy is messed up. They're sheep that have not had a shepherd that knew to hold them up and keep their intimacy in, in right alignment. Has anybody found that interesting? But that's, the, that's what he observed in the people. Does anybody think that that distressed, that harassed, that anxious thing is anywhere around these days? Anybody? Anybody feel like a cast sheep every once in a while or your, your intimacy is unable to be activated? You know what I mean by that? And you just feel like, you know, I don't have any more feelings. I don't feel, so don't talk to me about feeling God. I can't feel anything. Anyone have that in their hearts, in their lives? And it's not an impossible thing to happen to us. It happens to a good many people. So, but we have a shepherd that we're starting to learn to rely on. And don't be afraid if he grabs you up by the back of your neck and holds you straight up in the air and then wraps his legs around you to hold you standing up. And you're going to stand there frozen in place for a while, and that's precisely what it means to come aside with the Lord. Come aside with the Lord so that he will hold you up both sides, right and left, until your intimacy to 
all your intestines are realigned again to where they're supposed to be. Because that's the reason we don't feel things is we're out of alignment in our intimacy. he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Therefore, beseech the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest. Matthew, that's Matthew 9. A few times later, he said that the angels are the harvesters. Isn't that interesting? So, why would he say that angels are harvesters. Anybody? Negative? No? Yes? Good with that one? Which kind of says that we are actually not the harvesters. Isn't that interesting? Anybody known that before? Did you know that before? We are actually not the harvesters. We're the witnesses. We're the witnesses of the living God. How do you become a witness? You probably have something happen to you that causes you to witness of what happened, correct? Anybody ever had anything happen to you with God? Our room is full of miracles, so what in the heck are you talking about? So we look at this, so we have this. So that's our gig. We witness, and the angels come. What angels? Harvesting angels. How do they come to harvest? How do they come to be here? Anybody ever think about that? Well... We have, a, have you ever seen an evangelist, a real evangelist like Reinhard Bunky or somebody like that? He's the kind of guy that gets up and says, blue cheese, and people fall on their face and get saved. It has nothing to do with what they're saying. It has to do with what's on their life or the angel that's with them. Understand that? Anybody like angels? Not making an angel thingy, dingy. It's just, a, um, just an observation. So each of us has an angel with us that's ours suffering our consequences and bringing messages back and forth to the Father. You think he's a little upset with how you're living? You might ask him sometime. At any rate, how would that not be there for us? In addition to that, there's often an angel of the life or the gift that you carry. Is that making sense? So I got an angel that runs back and forth to the heavens, and he's learning to play the guitar. But when he gets back, he often has new musical concepts. And I'm very often with him going, try this. I'm like, whoa, that's, whoa, way up past my finger reach. Oh, I had nice chords when my fingers hurt, you know. And he will constantly bring new concepts, constantly. It's never not a new thing going all the time. How long have you played the guitar? 55 years. Is there something new? Absolutely. Every time I touch it, something new is coming. Why? Because I got an angel who came from the heavens and the most creative entity that's ever been, ever, got a new idea. And he's way out beyond my ability. Isn't that interesting? Anybody like that idea? But it requires being in communication with the Heavenly Father so that he can send an angel that will show you that da da So how do we lose those angels? That's what I was going to get to you so you could really feel bad after the end of this. How do we lose an angel that would call a lost person to salvation? Want to know? <laughs> Are you curious about that? I was, but... Um, 
Jesus said, if you confess me before men, I will confess you before the angels of my Father. Isn't that a good one? Confess means agree. It means if you agree with me before men, I will agree with you before the angels of my Father. That's pretty cool. The messengers of the Lord. But if you deny me before men, do you remember that scripture? Then I will deny you before the angels of my fathers. The angel thingy all the time. So it's about angels and it's about messengers. It's essentially an angel is a messenger. Um, the words deny, I got to look at all of this up. And the word deny, the first time he says deny, he says, if you deny me before men, that word means to cherish your own opinion above agreeing with Christ. It doesn't mean denying that he lives. It's cherishing your opinion. Anyone here got an opinion? <laughs> that thing right there is a chokehold on the body of Christ called opinion. We are seriously messed up in opinion. Am I talking to the right crowd? All of us. This is not, this is, you know, I'm, doing, I'm talking to me, too. I'm not talking to you only. And I work daily to shut up about my opinion about that with which is, means nothing to anything ever on the planet. It means nothing. And, and I know I've talked to you about this before. It must be on God's heart to say it again. But. So if I'm cherishing my own opinion, then the second time he uses the word deny, then I will deny you before the angels of my Father. That means when you call upon the Lord, those angels will turn their back on your prayer and treat you like you're dead. That's what that means. Hmm. That's how you can pray your heart out and absolutely touch nothing. It's because in the desire to live in your own opinion over confessing the Lord, we lose an angel that's in agreement with you until Christ says, no. He has denied my purpose enough through their opinions. Is that making sense? That hurt me real bad when I first really got that. And I went back to the Lord. I begged him. I said, I don't know what I've done. If I've done anything to drive the angel away from me, I want to correct that. And he said one time to Christine, why do you think you have to have an opinion about everything? Did anybody ever think of that? Our nation just suffered the most incredible opinion fest that it's ever been under called an election. And that's an opinion fest. Not a thing was true. Understand that. Not a single thing was true. You couldn't say anything about either candidate because neither of them were president yet. So how can you conjecture they'll do this or they won't do that? How do you know that? They're not there. So it's all based on conjecture. It was all based on opinion. Do you understand that? Why not let something happen and then say, I see <laughs> that this didn't work, or this works, or that doesn't work, and let the actions themselves dictate the statement. Are you okay? You're not okay. Is that all right with you? Don't be angry about that. Just get over your opinion. 
and just start making God number one thought in your life. The secret to that opinion is if God is my number one thought, I remember the statement of what would Jesus do? Well, he wouldn't be throwing an opinion around. That's one of the things. And so we feel somewhere in our lives that if I don't carry the right opinion, I'll be suckered into something, right? Or I will be what? Tricked? Doofed? Oh, buddy, you're being tricked and duped every day of your life. What do you think? You, you think you're going to stop that? What you're trying to do is take away God's wonderful pleasure of bringing vengeance on those who have come against his children. He has a big time doing that. He thinks it's fun. He laughs at his enemies. Do you not read that scripture? So if he's there, why is he laughing at his enemies? Because it's fun for him to destroy that with which destroys his children. Jesus came, said, I came to destroy, destroy the works of the devil. That word destroy is very large. Smash up, bang it up real bad, pulverize till it doesn't exist. That's nice. No. Your lines still speak the heart of God. You're looking for the rest of the rest. There must be a time. Give me all. 
Thank you for your patience to Amen. hang here this long. Thanks for listening to the Eastside Church Podcast. If you have any questions or need more information, visit our website, eastsidechurch.co.